Welcome to another episode of Mental Conversations, a podcast focusing on positive mental health and overcoming the struggles of life. My name is Chris Sutton and I am excited because today I'm joined in our lead studio um, by Amelia Gunn, one of my favourite people in the world. Um, thank you for coming in, Amelia. No problem. Um, so Amelia is a child poverty expert and has just completed her Master's in Childhood Studies. So I wanted to have you on the show because um, you've talked to me quite a lot in the past, um, present and I'm sure you will in the future, about the impact of poverty um, on children in particular and on society, but particularly on children and for the purposes of this show, you know, we're going to talk about how, how it affects mental health. So, is that alright? That's absolutely fine. Okay, great. So, I think it will be helpful for people listening to understand what we mean by poverty. So, would you be able to explain that for us? Yeah, so one of the um, massive issues when talking about poverty is that there isn't one definition. Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't one measure, there isn't one theory. Um, poverty is very political. Um, so there are lots of different people who have a different idea of what poverty is in their mind um, and it's very much guided by the government that's in charge of that particular time mm-hmm. um, and who you're talking to. There is one um, the academic definition um, that is generally used by a wide range of local authorities and academics and that comes from Townsend and it's not just about um, poverty as a state of being, it's about um, the impact of poverty. So it says that individuals, families and groups in the population can be said to be in poverty when they lack the resources to obtain the types of diet, participate in the activities and have the living conditions and amenities which are customary or at least encouraged in the societies to which they belong. Their resources are so seriously excluded below that from commanded by the average individual that they are in effect excluded from ordinary customs and activities. And Townsend wrote that in 1979. Wow, okay. That's a a (laughs) heck of a definition. But So essentially it's saying that um, people ain't got stuff. Um, Or like haven't got access to things. So it's saying that poverty isn't just a... So the the measure of poverty that's used is 60% um, below the national median income. And that's kind of the measure that people use. But that actually doesn't define what being in poverty is well, no, like. Because, right, so what you, one of the things you said on your, in your introduction there was about the impact. Yeah. And that's the bit that we're really interested here. So yeah. is about how, so how does it actually impact then on the life of an, an individual or, of like, like, as you mentioned, or, or of a family? So what, tell me about some of those impacts then. And so that's another difficult thing. Um, so when you look at, um, say, if you look at diabetes, you can look at the impact of having diabetes on the well-being of people mm-hmm. because there's a cause and effect, yeah? Yeah. And um, it might be different who you talk to, but there's, there'll be generally a correlation. Mm-hmm. With poverty, there, there is a, um, sig- there's no causal relationship that we can establish. So there's a significant correlation that can be found between things like poverty and mental health, poverty and educational attainment, poverty and physical health, mm-hmm. poverty and longevity, the amount of time that you live, yeah. um, poverty impacts on. Um, it impacts on your um, status, it impacts on how you see yourself, um, it has massive impacts. So let's have um, a look at a couple of those things, yeah. if we can. 
So, because I reckon there's a couple of things you've said there that are really key. To bring it back to, bring it back to the individual, so one of the things you've just said there is it impacts on the way you see yourself. Yeah. That, to me, is critical in this. Yeah. And in, you know, adults and ch- or children. If you, so... But then this is the difficulty within it. So, um, poverty has such a wide range of effects, but none of them are guaranteed. So you can live in poverty and not have significant health concerns. You can live in poverty and have fantastic mental health. You can Mm -hmm. live in poverty and have good educational outcomes. Similarly, you can live just above the poverty line Mm -hmm. and have atrocious outcomes for all of those indicators. So it's very much, as you said, the individual. There isn't any kind of... And there are studies that we can do. We can talk to people who live in poverty. We can look at statistical likelihoods and statistical... um, It's statistically significantly linked between... Uh, you know, poor health, physical, mental, between poor education. Um, but really, understanding poverty is about understanding an individual's journey mm. who lives in poverty. Yeah. And that's what we need to establish, really. So, uh, so in terms of looking at how we impact on it, because, what, again, what I want to do is, or what, what I'm... The people that are listening to this that might get something out of this could be from a whole range of backgrounds, and my goal is never to... Um, educate people in terms of like and this is a reality so now mm. you you can listen to me talking to this expert but now and now you'll know stuff so go and do it it's for people to try and take snippets of what we talk about and see if it refers or like if they can refer it to their own lives and go oh okay well maybe yeah. i could look at this slightly differently then yeah. so but one of the things that the people that might be listening to this may be in a position to help people who are in poverty so it may not be that they're in poverty themselves so I like for example this um, this idea of <clears throat> the individual rather than society so yeah. in terms of how we approach it how we attack and try and, and try and improve our um, situations yeah. and my thing is to begin with how does how does that child who is is um, living in poverty what can they what, what are the obstacles to begin with so in the first place, the first thing that I've, I've thought, you're going to love this. Okay. Aspirations. Oh, God. <laughs> I, oh. Know, I know historically that that's not your favourite word in the world. world. My hated word. So, but, but tell me about that. So why would, a, why would that affect a child? Okay, so um, aspirations is a political concept. And I personally find the concept of um, aspirations uh, horrendous. Um, but that's because I look at the way the government uses aspirations. But like as an individual, if yeah. you aspire to be a doctor, and you but you're living in poverty, yeah, why? Where's the barrier there? Okay, so the, so stripping it back, the principle behind aspirations is that children who are who are poor don't become doctors because they don't want to be. Yeah, that's the premise of aspirations. That mm-hmm. if you want something, you can achieve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you want to be a doctor. You should be a doctor. We've got a free education system. Mm-hmm. Why shouldn't you be a doctor? I mean, you can just want it. You, you know, so plan why aren't, to be So it. why aren't they? So the, the problem is uh, that it's, it's multiple, multiple levels. levels. Um, but first of all, children um, who live in um, poor communities, in families who experience poverty, generally don't have role models mm-hmm. who are like them. Yeah. who do the things, who do become lawyers and become doctors. Right. Yeah. So if you look at family circumstance, 
the family circumstance is still deeply, deeply implicated mm-hmm. in in the life patterns of children and young people. Yeah. So if your parents are doctors, mm-hmm. you're much more likely to become a doctor. If your parents are lawyers, you're much more likely to become a lawyer. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. they have the role model of being a doctor and being a lawyer, yeah. and they can see themselves getting there. Yeah? yeah. The other thing is the pathways, right? So the role models, if they don't see someone in their family who do, they don't know it's for them. They don't feel comfortable. They don't feel know that they can achieve. It makes sense. That, it, that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And the other one is the pathway. So once you know lots of the children, young people that I talk to who live in really difficult circumstance want to achieve these things. They want to be doctors. They want to be so lawyers. So it's contrary to that. It's, like, yeah, so it's not saying that they don't want it enough. It's that they don't know it's for them. And then once they know it's for them, yeah, once they, once they say, I want to be a lawyer, they don't often have the pathways to be able to get there. So they right. don't have the social connections needed. Mm-hmm. They can't spend all of their summers working in a law firm or doing placement uh, in a... In daddy's law firm, you know, or in, you know, or in like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or um, working in mum's hospital. Yeah. You know, they don't have those social connections. They yeah. don't have the money or the resources to be able to do all of the wider activities yeah. that lots of children from richer families can do to enable them to get that place. Interesting. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's... Because you can't, you know, the, these children, there can be no, like, lack of talent. In ter- you know, it's oh, like absolutely a, not. Um, so... On the contrary, you know, children from all ranges of backgrounds are fantastically talented. Yeah. It's just that some children have the um, opportunity mm. to have that talent supported and showcased. Yeah. Um, and... Some people, you know, their parents might still want to support that talent, yeah. but they can't for financial restrictions or time restrictions or the fact that they can't drive them over to the other side of Leeds. It's, it's an absolutely fascinating thing, this, because, and I, because I think, for one thing, maybe a lot of people don't ever give themselves the headspace to even think about it, to, mm. even, to even contemplate it. But you do get into this kind of, like, really, I think it's very easy to slide into the feeling of, people who are from poor backgrounds just don't have any kind of drive to achieve something and that if they wanted to they could and but like what you're saying is from your own personal experiences with with families and with individuals is that they actually it's they want to do it but they don't they don't know you said the 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 expression you said was they don't think it's for them yeah that's what just really stuck in my head yeah that's like heartbreaking isn't it yeah it is absolutely and, uh, and it's this is a concept that isn't just in poverty you know people um thinking you know people who aren't in poverty thinking that people who are in poverty are in poverty because of bad choices mm. is is something you can see across a range of society yeah so people who have chronic health conditions mm-hmm. um uh, can be told by people who don't have chronic health conditions you just need to change this or that, yeah. and it'll get better. Yeah. You know, you just need to think like this, yeah. and it'll be all right. And it's 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 kind of protection, like it's kind of self protection. So, so yeah. can I ask you a question? This is a difficult question, right, I grant okay. you. But like, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate. So I know of people, mm. actually, people who have been on this podcast, um, who come from poor backgrounds, yeah, and have in inverted commas, which I hate, but in inverted commas succeeded you know they have kind of escaped that or they've removed themselves from that cycle um so there are outliers but i'd be interested to know what their um you know how they've managed to do that then yeah so but it's the same with everything so people who have um severe mental health issues 
may in five six years time may not have those sort of mental mm. health issues yeah? Yeah, yeah um so and it's the same it's the same with poverty it's the same with education people who don't do well at primary school may do well at secondary school um and it's for me lots of people take these people who have escaped from poverty or who have um secured good jobs and say they've achieved it so everyone else should be able to achieve it mm. and that's something that is widely widely said but it's actually if you talk to the people who are in a position now um, who were in poverty and who are now not living in poverty, they've often had to leave quite a lot behind. Right. And so then we get on a, a discussion of what you mean by success. So yeah. they may have a really nice car, a really nice house, a, you know, a secure job, but they don't have any of the family connections or the social connections that they used to have because they're now living a different life. So yeah. when you when we talk about escaping from poverty, we have to really look at what we mean um, by escaping from poverty. Do you know what? That's, sorry to interrupt. That's really interesting because the person I was thinking of, they have said that to me. I don't want to say their name, but, but they have said to me that actually when they go back home, mm. they feel like a fish out of water. Yeah. And they're actually... Um, I don't know if ridiculed the wrong uh, the wrong word, but they're actually like a, an, a bit of an outcast yeah. because they have gone to a different gone life. Gone to a different life. Yeah. yeah, that's it. And so you're you're leaving behind um, people who are living in a certain way, yeah. and you're now not living in that certain way. And the people, for me, it's not um, it's not that one person achieves so everyone can achieve. Actually, the barriers that you face when you live in poverty or you experience poverty are huge. Yeah. And they impact across your entire life. There is not one area of life that living in poverty does not impact. Mm. Yeah, and you can feel those barriers, you can, or you can resist those barriers. But actually, the structural impacts of poverty, the the impact on health, on education, on housing, on community, on resource, you know. Yeah. So to to actually fight against that is a struggle every day and so some people do do make it out um but i think that's more down to um potentially having a relationship um with someone with a with a teacher or with a um a youth worker or with a um, a distant member of the family um who shows you that there's another way that you can live um, yeah. or it's down to luck yeah, okay. um, or it's down to individual characteristics that that person has that other people don't have, such as resilience or determination. Yeah. Um, and But actually, we don't know. That's yeah. the difficulty. No one really knows why some people escape and some people don't. So let's take it on a different tack then. Because, um, again, bringing it to mental health, bringing it to, to how it impacts on people's mental health. Yeah. One of the things I looked into in researching this, um, knowing I was going to talk to you, and being completely intimidated by your level of knowledge around oh, it, no, <laughs> I was like... Hmm, okay. Well, I, anyway, I was I was looking at it. I was thinking, well, what is it though? What is it about poverty though that makes someone anxious or depressed? Or you know, these are my specialist subjects, so that's yeah. what I'm going to talk about. Yeah. Like, so I was like, so, and then I was I was thinking about it. I was thinking, well, um, access to the right kind of foods, um, access to doing the right kind of exercise, mm -hmm. um, you know. There's a, and whether I'm being stereotypical here, I apologise if I am, but like, um, you know, would I be right in saying that people who are from um, more deprived backgrounds are more likely to smoke? Um, it's, I'm sure, yeah. something I read about, you know, I kind of read when I was researching this. So all of those kind of physical 
health things um, are massively impacted. And then the rest of it is, you know, I don't need to go through it all all again, is there are intrinsic links between your physical health and your mental health. So if you're on a diet of um, chicken dippers and chips every night, because that's what you have, and that's what you've had, you know, that or a version of for your whole childhood, and then even into adulthood, that's what you think of as, well, that's what you eat. Um, Not seeing, this again, it comes back to role models about, say, exercise. Um, You know, you're quite, but you'll quite often see see or hear sports people in particular that I've seen that say, God, if I hadn't been a good good at boxing or if I hadn't been good at football or whatever, then goodness only knows where I'd be. Uh, you know, I've, 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 I've left this this life behind, you know, these um, people behind that are now struggling with all these things. Yeah. Um, so it is, it, a lot of it I think as well, the, the living in poverty comes down to that physical health. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, with poverty comes the area that you live in. Um, so if you look at the, um, if you look at a city, there are always places that are more deprived, that have less money, yeah. and places that have more money. Yeah. And generally, the places that have more money have better facilities, have better services, have better access to parks um, and to green space and to sports halls. And the places with less money have much less access to these things. Um, so if you don't have access to a sports hall yeah. and you don't have the you know 10 quid a week that it costs to get there and back and then to do the lessons, mm. then you're much less likely to do it. If you're only living on 30, 40 quid a week, yeah. you can't spend a quarter of that budget on extra um, facilities. And then the other one is food that you mentioned. And you're right. Um, and uh, food is a massive complex topic. And the basic premise of it is that it's much easier and much cheaper to eat food that is bad for you than it is to eat food that is good for you. Mm. you know, the cost of fruit and vegetables um, and the fact that they um, their shelf life is much shorter. Yeah, I think that's a key um, thing, actually. And so you have to keep going shopping for them. Yeah. You know, if you've got two, three jobs, you can't go yeah. shopping every two to three the, days. The, the other thing, like, in line with that is, you know, part of the research I was looking at says about men and women in the most prosperous areas of the country live on average, um, respectively, nine and seven years longer than their counterparts in poorest areas of the country. And we're sat in Leeds at the moment. In Leeds, the gap between the richest and poorest neighbourhoods is approximately ten and a half years. Yeah. Just in Leeds. Yeah. I'm like, wow. And that, so this is, you know, so this is around um, how long people live for. But again, that comes down to health. Yeah. You know, that is because of the health things. Absolutely. And it's, it's um, so, you know, you were talking to the links between physical and mental health. Yeah, if you think about um, something that people love the most, yeah, if you talk to a father, you talk to a mother about the things they love the most, they're going to say they're children. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you've got... And, and Netflix. And then Netflix. And yeah. Netflix and children combined. Yeah. Um, and you've only got, <laughs> when, you, when you've got, when you're a parent, you've got the stress of trying to raise a child. Yeah. You know, just any parent across the world is mm-hmm. the stress of trying to raise a child and trying to raise a child in the right way and encourage them to do the right things and you know build them up with the tools that they need for life mm. now can you imagine working a job that you hate but you have to work it because you don't have any other options you tried really hard to get this job your boss is awful to you he mm. harasses you every day mm. but you're on a zero hour contract 
And so if you complain against your boss, you're out. You're out. Mm. Or your hours get docked. Yeah. So yeah. you do that. You go home, and it's been a horrendous day. You go home, and your kids are there, um, and you want to feed your kids, and you want your kids to be happy, and your kids are looking at you because you have no food in the fridge. Mm. You have no food in the cupboard, and you, as a parent, are looking into your children's eyes, and you can't feed them. Yeah. And you know you then have the choice between spending money on electricity to keep the house warm yeah. or spending money on food for your kids. Yeah. And the stress yeah. that accompanies that option, that that must, that entire environment and you're doing that every day. And must all you be want constant. is the best. It's con- and all you want is the best for your kids. Parents across the board want the best for their kids. The other thing then, I mean where that comes into and you you mentioned this you mentioned this earlier on about how you see yourself. Yeah. Um, now, um, you and I have a mutual uh, friend slash colleague, um, Chester Howarth, mm. uh, who's been on the podcast a couple of times. And Chester like wrote a report, which, he, which we both had sight of. And I want to read it out, if you don't mind. I want to read this thing out that he wrote. He does write very well. Um, and he's written, We live in an overtly consumerist and materialistic society. This can have dire consequences for people's perception of themselves. Our identity, as recently expounded by Susan Greenfield, I love how academic (laughs) it is, um, is foundationally a a relational concept. So basically what he's saying is, one doesn't have an identity alone on a desert island. It's the way other people see you. Numerous studies, particularly in children, have shown that families' socioeconomic circumstances have a huge impact, not necessarily on a child's relationship, but rather their relationship to other children. So the poorer you are, it leads to a feeling of being inadequate. Yes, absolutely. So that, you know, I know that there was a, a lot there to take in, but essentially that's what I'm trying to say is, you, your feeling about yourself, your feeling of self-worth, your self-esteem, is often based on what you have compared to others in society. Yeah. And if you're spending your time, like I've just said, watching Netflix, and you're watching something where, you know, people have all got flash cars or, you know, you get into a very easy, um, you can very easily slip into the thought process of it, that is success. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier the definition of success. Yeah. But people then strive for this thing that's almost impossible to achieve, you know, rega- almost regardless of where your starting point is. But if you're from a very poor um background even harder yeah so then but then you just think of yourself as a failure yeah and it comes down to what we talked about earlier with the barriers um and the barriers that poverty brings so um jill main who's an academic at the university of leeds has mm-hmm. done some studies on well-being mm-hmm. and um, well-being with children and young people and especially um looking at impacts of poverty on well-being right and so she developed this well-being um indicate uh, index with children and young people and the thing that children and young people were most worried about in school um, and out of school wasn't um, lack of money, wasn't lack of food, but it was um, clothes and shoes. And specifically having the right clothes and shoes. Yeah. Because, and it's not, it's not the clothes and shoes, it's what the clothes and shoes represent. Yes. And that's what you were talking about. And if you have the right clothes and the right shoes, then you represent and you're included. Yeah, you're, you're part, you're part. That's it, you don't want to be different, do you? You're not an outsider. Um, But if you don't have the right clothes and shoes, you don't fit in. You you don't have the right image and you feel excluded. (coughs) I want to unpack that a little bit, just very quickly, because it must be very, very difficult, even harder for children this than adults. But, you know, I kind of, I take issue with it. Um, 
in terms of what we want to be doing or what the most potentially what the most appropriate thing to be doing would be to educate children and adults easier with adults I'd suggest that actually that's not necessary that isn't you know but as a child oh my god I remember absolutely being like I just want to fit in I don't want to be I don't want to wear the slip on black shoes and white socks if all the other kids have got lace-ups yeah absolutely but it's not it's not just about education I think I think that is a part of it but it's it's about society um you know I I read a study that said children recognize um brands before they before they recognize their own name you know it's it's something like they recognize (coughs) um like three four hundred brands but by the time that they're three you know it's from the moment they yeah. are born, they yeah. are branded. Bombarded. And so it's... I saw, a, actually, I saw a Jamie Oliver thing where he showed, I think, just part of the McDonald's sign. Okay. Or part of the Coca-Cola, like literally yeah. a tiny... So it wasn't even a letter of the, the way Coke is written. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just um, like and they were like, oh, that's Coke. And then he showed them a broccoli and said, what's that? And no idea. Yeah, but it's everywhere. You know, like, if I tell you because you're worth it... Yeah, exactly. I am. Then you're, L'Oreal. You'll know what it yeah. means. If I, you know, if I said it's not just food... Yeah, Marks and Spencer's. It's, it's everywhere. It's, yeah. You hear a jingle and you know what it is. You hear a, a collection of random words and you know what it relates to and because yeah. it's everywhere. And it, and it, comes, it comes back down to um, looking the right way and then feeling the right way about yourself. Yeah? Most people, when they go shopping, they buy something and they feel good. You know, they have this yeah. little uh, bubble of happiness where yeah, yeah. I've, I've bought this. You, know, you need to wear the right, the right suits to work. Yeah. And it relates to the concept of stigma which is something that people in poverty face a huge amount of. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, lots of people face stigma. Um, but if you're in poverty, you face an exceptional amount of stigma. Um, and you face stigma because you don't fit in mm. to the society that people says you should, you should fit into. Yeah? You don't have the right... You can't afford the right clothes or the right car. Yeah. You don't have the perfect house. You don't have the perfect life. So you feel judged. And then that impacts your self-confidence and your self-belief. And, yeah. you know, you said sports, um, sports personalities, um, people who have achieved in sports said, you know, I did this and I believed in myself. Mm. And everyone needs that. Everyone needs that self-belief yeah. and that self-confidence. But when you're told from a very young age that you are not enough, you are not worthy, you do not fit in, you do not have the right things, you do not have a big enough house, you do not have, uh, you're not going on holiday. You know, like... I'm ranting, but you know, in the first week of term, lots of teachers say, "Tell us what you've done over the summer." Yeah. If all you've done over the summer is played out on the street, you yeah. haven't been on holiday, you yeah. haven't been anywhere on ice. No, it's a good point. You know, if you've just been around your friend's house or you're staying with your nana, you know, how are you going to compete with the children who are saying, "Oh, I went to Disneyland World oh, on I one to week this. and skiing my, another week." My you know? daughter, when she was at nursery, brought home the nursery's teddy bear. Okay. And. You were supposed to take pictures of the teddy over the weekend doing what you were doing. It had been to Paris, it had been to Turkey, yeah. and it had been done all these things, you know. Yeah. And I was like, what are we doing this weekend? Oh, we're, we're going to Asda. You know, like, <laughs> <coughs> I actually took a series of photos of, the, I had the teddy bear in marigolds doing the washing up. Okay. I had the teddy bear doing ironing. Yeah. I had the teddy bear changing um, my daughter's nappy. It was hilarious. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm just going to completely fly in the face of this. Because <clears throat> there's all these other parents that are competing to have had Teddy Precisely. do the best thing. And yeah, it's crazy. And then you ingrain that stigma. You ingrain that stigma from a very young age. The other thing on there, 
we're running out of time, bizarrely, believe it or not, is we've got about three or four minutes left. The other thing with it is the perception versus reality that I've yeah. talked about previously on a podcast that I think there is something, depending on their age, you know, it's something that you could, we could try and teach our children is that, you know, we spoke, we, you, you were there the other day when we were having a conversation around poverty and one of our colleagues said that they felt really uncomfortable when they went to a certain, um, to a house or whatever because of, because it was a, a wealthy person or whatever and they just felt everyone was looking at them and, yeah. everyone, and it was like, well, no, they weren't, were they? So having an understanding of that perception versus reality or what they were saying then like the second, third, fourth time they went there didn't think anything of it yeah so and we all go through that yeah. you know you in different environments and different places but I do think that at a relatively early age you can you know that concept is something that could really help children and it because it's something that can help adults of like oh no 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 okay brain be quiet mm-hmm. you know this isn't real this isn't real it's not a fact yeah. it's something that I it's the way I'm seeing something yeah and I think that the only way we can really combat that is by giving children and young people and their parents a huge range of opportunities mm. to experience loads and loads and loads of different things. And to question things. And to question things and to, to feel um, comfortable. So children that I know have never come into the city centre mm. and they're 15. Yeah. yeah? Wow. Because they don't wow. feel... Because, yeah, because they don't... <coughs> there's not, it's a consumerist place. They don't feel like it's yeah. for them. Okay. You know? And so... But actually, there are free things that you can do in the city centre. Yeah. Um, so, and it's it's about um, giving and providing children and young people with a wide range of opportunities to show them, yeah. you know, the huge range of life um, that is out there and isn't just you know their street, their I house, think, their school. I think um, that's a really important thing, and I think you've just said the word school. We definitely haven't got enough time to go on to this <laughs> subject, but school is massive, isn't it? And the yeah. way the, the impact schools can have and education can have. You know, and, the, and because quite often I'd suggest like that children from these backgrounds perhaps don't engage as well at the beginning of school and therefore might struggle more with... Yeah, I, I hesitate to use the word engagement. Um, it, it, for me, it's more about... Um, you can see the gap um, between richer and poorer families um, and their children's learning from 22 months. So the gap in education can be seen from 22 wow. months. And it widens as the children get older. Wow. But for me, it's not about the children not engaging. It's not about the children not trying. It's not, not about the children not wanting it enough. Um, it's, it's about creating an environment in which all children can succeed. Yeah. And about understanding that child and supporting that child through, through whatever is going on outside school, no matter what background they're from, yeah. to show them that they can achieve in school. Um, and supporting them to do that and then showing them what the purpose of school and education is um, and showing them the pathways that it can get onto and you know, working with the family to, um, to provide them with books, to provide them with opportunities to do homework, to provide them with opportunities to go to the, to the beach mm. and then write about the beach. Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. Like, to have these wider opportunities to learn and to discover and to play and to talk. This... This for me, it's been a, it's been quite, it's an inspirational thing. This to talk about because it's like, you know, there are massive difficulties here. There's massive disparities in the, in wealth across the country, across cities, across towns. You know, yeah. Um, but a lot of the stuff you've said, you know, there is hope there. There oh, are things we can do. Um, you know, and and a kind of we've we've run out of time, but. Um, 
In terms of improving things, and yeah. I think this may come from a study you mentioned, um, someone from Leeds University, yeah. is about if we can, what we can do is try and create an environment where people can change their health behaviours. So improving access to certain types of food, activities and other resources and trying to maybe restrict the unhealthy ones. Mm. You know, as a society, these are things that we can, we can try to do. As an individual, being aware of those things and then, you know, obviously not like a five-year-old, but a teenager that might actually be able to question these things that might be listening now. Hi, shout out to you. Um, <laughs> like, y you can change these things. And understanding that actually changing your diet does change the way you look at the world. It does change the way you think. Yeah, it changes absolutely. your energy levels. It changes so many things that actually, you know, your, your diet is a huge thing. And doing that kind of exercise as well. So um, we have run out of time. Um, thank you so much for coming on. No problem. Um, I've really enjoyed it. Um, we're going to wrap it up. Um, thank you guys out there for listening. Uh, that was a really exciting one. <laughs> um, and yeah, please follow me on Twitter at mentalcoms. That's M-E-N-T-A-L-C-O-N-V-S. And uh, another episode of Mental Conversations will be winging its way to you soon. Thanks, Amelia. Thanks.